a home. One should consider the meaning of the word. Not merely a place you sleep or eat or while away the hours, but a place where you live. For Sally, this criteria was at the front of her mind as she walked the beautiful and well cared for land that would come with her new abode, not yet having earned home. The paths crisscrossed through the ancient woodland, and she could hear all sorts of chirps, crunches, and rustlings that spoke of a place very much alive. She had always enjoyed this feeling. Ever since she was small, she spent much of her time in the small patches of green that dotted the city she was raised in. Of course, things were different then. She sought herself in the branches and the fountains of the meagre parks and public woodlands in the otherwise metal and concrete world. And though her enthusiasm for the outdoors spoke apparently against her discovery when she eventually made it, she could never bring herself to hold a grudge. Those quiet, untainted moments with nature were held dear in her heart still, even with all that came after. As the estate agent walked her through the place, he explained more about the house that she was buying into, chirping that while the previous owner had taken good care of the land and had managed it properly for near 30 years with an apparently dedicated and precise hand in my considered and humble opinion, they had no wish to be contacted or involved in the sale in any way. The man was shorter than her, thin like a rake, and he looked desperately like he wanted to tell her something. She obliged. Did something happen? The gentleman visibly relaxed, like the leash keeping him back had just been released. Well... He smiled, but not with his teeth. I'm not supposed to say anything, but between you and me, I believe I've heard tell from the local villages that something dreadful happened out here just half a decade ago. It used to be the owner and several others, visitors and residents coming and going all the time, so they say enjoyed a cordial relationship with the neighbors for miles around, and then suddenly... Startling several birds from their roosts, as well as Sally herself. Poof! No guests, no visitors, barely an appearance made anywhere for six years by anyone the village recognized, let alone the owner. The man smiled as if waiting for applause. Sally affected a suitably reactive face, equal parts curious, frightened, and impressed. This, it seemed have to do. Disappointed by his audience, the man pressed on. Until three months ago, the owner, or someone claiming to be him, appeared. They had all the correct documents and identification, so when it came to my firm's attention that the owner wished to sell, land and all as it were, we jumped at the chance. Not very superstitious people, my employers, you see. Always believed in facts or stories and rising damp over the risen dead. <laughs> Sally chuckled politely. She had already completed the business end of the deal with the man back at the offices, and so was beginning to wonder why he was still being quite so hard on the cell. She would come to believe, in the coming weeks, that the man had few friends and had an interest not only in the house professionally, but in Sally as well. And while estate agents are penned as cold-hearted bloodsuckers for the most part, she would not find his friendship nor his visits unwelcome as she began to settle into her newest place that was not yet at home. Nothing at all strange happened at the cottage for almost exactly one year and one day from when she officially moved in. 
If she had bothered to time such a thing, she would have noted that it was in fact exactly one year and one day from when she walked into the house with the last of her boxes and said aloud to her gather friends, well, he's mine now, having already decided on Finbar as a fitting name in the van ride over. But she did not time it, for she did not know there was something to time. But for us, who have the advantage of hindsight, exactly one year and one day from when she named the place she was set to live, Sally began to dream. Now, Sally's dreams had always been on the vivid side, and she was at first unconcerned. Then she began to start awake at night. The dirt under her fingernails didn't surprise her. She had always been prone to some rather extreme sleepwalking, and she ignored the blood on her hands on one particular evening, blaming in her mind a bloody nose or a knocked scab in the night. It was not until she had a guest in her bed, a corroborating witness to her worries, one evening that she was forced to confront that maybe an early morning shower and denial were not enough to keep her dreams confined to their appropriate realm. Where did you go last night? Thea asked, their tight curls of dark hair springing slightly as they propped themselves up on the bed. I woke at, I think, three-ish and you were gone. I called for you, but you didn't answer. Oh, uh, I, I sleepwalk. The usual response came bubbling up to greet the question, but this time Sally wasn't quite as believable. When the words were spoken aloud, they seemed to lose the certainty they had and echoed in her head. She smiled at her companion. And while Thea would nod and accept the words, a crack had formed in Sally's denial. And as cracks do, it spread. Thea was a frequent guest of Sally's, and while they never again brought up Sally's absence in the wee small hours, she'd always look knowingly at the scratches on her arms, the bruises on her legs, and the dirt under her fingernails. And each time, the crack grew. Eventually, Sally could no longer deny that something outside of the norm was happening, and so she said to Brian, at one of their regular meetings for afternoon tea, Brian being the name, she had only asked to ask twice, that the estate agent went by when not embodying service with a smile. Brian, is there, like, wind turbines or something around here? Or a radio tower? Brian looked at her strangely. Not to my knowledge, Sally dear. It's all fiber optic, and most of the woodland that isn't yours is held in one trust or another. Why do you ask? Well... <laughs> Sally looked away at her embarrassed. I had heard something about them producing frequencies which disturb sleep. To Brian's blank look, she explained. Like, uh, infrasound and stuff. Not that I really believed it, but I've been sleepwalking a lot more recently, and I just thought maybe... The blank look on Brian's face stilled the stirring hope inside her, and there might be a simple explanation. Well, my love, I don't think so. And I didn't take you for someone to go in for all that infrasound stuff. Normally I wouldn't, but it's never been this bad before. I thought once I'd settle, maybe I'd, well, 
settle. But I'm still up most nights, waking up with dirt and scratches covering me, and wondering if I frightened any wild campers to death. They both laughed, and tea went on without further mention of Sally's nocturnal adventures. It was shortly after this that reports began to trickle into the local pub of news and gossip and all worth hearing about in 20 mile radius. The salmon on the sill, or just the salmon if you were local. Reports of shapes in the net, mysterious abductions of livestock and disappearances of spouses. Most were put down to drunken shortcuts gone awry and thieves abroad. But if you listen long enough and stay till last bell with the old timers, you would begin to hear things like trouble up in the old bluebell wood again. New mistress has been up there a year or so now. Won't be long. It was this that Brian reported back to Sally one night when afternoon tea had become rather more liquid and they had opted for pizza and trashy films instead of their usually high-minded pursuit of biscuits and terrible television. And what trouble would that be? And I'm not sure how I feel about Mistress for a start. Sally laughed and brought her wine glass up to her lips. Ah, well... Brian began hesitantly. You recall I said people stopped visiting the last owner? As time went on, well, it seems the sentiment grew rather vicious in the end of some of the locals. Stories about monsters and such. Sally, I hope they don't tar you with the brush of the last owner. You get down to the village enough, so you're not just the strange lady who bought that haunted cottage. Brian smiled kind-heartedly, but he did show genuine concern for his new friend. It seemed to Sally. Maybe she was a little too removed from the locals. She had a habit of closing herself off for the wider world. She knew this. And she knew she had her reasons. The unkindness of strangers and so on. She had let herself get a little carried away, she thought. She doubted that the locals were quite the Frankenstein torch and pitchfork affair she'd worked up in her mind. She determined she would put in an afternoon at the salmon and set the locals and herself at ease. The dreams that night are the most vivid she will ever speak of. Running. That's the first thing. The burning in your legs as they do what they were made for. The pounding in your chest as each and every drop of blood and breath of air is put to glorious, animalistic use. There is a certain euphoria in it. The copper in your mouth as you smile against the rushing wind. Then came the other senses. Their patience tested to its limits. They assailed her all at once. It smelt like lightning. Not ozone as such, but the feeling. Everything was sharp and sudden and blinding. It wasn't until, as the first wave faltered, the woodland came alive with the light of the moon. Each glistening petal and each ancient and scarred trunk stood out in crystal detail. The scent of wet earth rising up through the undergrowth to meet her as she moved through. What she knew was hers. The dream shifted. Suddenly, she was no longer alone in the forest. Something was twisting its way into her senses. She began to hear a strange and crooked voice whisper at the edge of her hearing. 
She sought for it with her ears, but was unable to make out what it was saying before the dream was shifting again. She was no longer in the forest, but approaching a house, somewhere she recognised but couldn't place. As she crossed the threshold, she felt the dream become fuzzy, to the edges of it warping as she stumbled onto a large bed, covering the linens in dirt and sweat and blood. And soon she felt the dream dissolve, and she fell into a deep and silent sleep. When Sally awoke, he headed for the bathroom almost before she'd opened her eyes. In the half-awake state, she began to scrub her hands clean. It wasn't until she caught herself in the bathroom mirror that she jolted and inventoried the mess she saw. She was covered in dirt, mud and sweat mixed together. The shower was already running, she realised. She must have turned it on in her stupor. As she stepped in, the hot water flowed over her and began to run darker and darker as she washed the grime from herself. She shuddered as she recalled the dream, for surely that's what it was. She had to stop herself smiling as she recalled the intoxicating wave of senses she'd had. As the memory replayed in her head, she tried not to think about the reality of the situation. She dreamed of running through the woods, and she woke to find herself looking like she had. But she didn't feel the soreness, the exhaustion she surely should. She felt... good, she realised. Alive. Confident. Healthy. Hungry. She did keep her promise. She wandered down to the salmon one afternoon, made herself comfortable in a quiet corner, and when any of the locals looked over, she smiled. She chatted cordially with the bartender and ended up in a lovely conversation with a man whose dog tried to eat her. The dog in question wasn't particularly large, but it was big enough that when it began barking and snapping after Sally, she grew a little uncertain. The owner was all smiles, but in a strained way, and the apologies and, he's not normally like this, I swear, did little to salve the still, apparently aggrieved dog. This was until Sally, quite suddenly, and to her own surprise as much as anyone else's, snuffed back. She growled at the dog, not a false imitation, but a full-throated growl. The dog whimpered, spun around several times, and then sat down, thoroughly cowed. The owner looked on in surprise, but he did fairly quickly. Speak the language, do you? he said to cover the growing awkward silence that now engulfed the pub. The atmosphere recovered slightly as everyone went back to their drinks, but the new and strange feeling that crept over Sally began to sink deeply into her. She made a polite excuse to the barmaid, paid her tab, and left without looking back. It was several weeks before anyone saw Sally again. But when they did, the locals remarked that the young woman who bought the place up beyond the top field looked more like she lived there now, less like a city lass on a getaway. Whether this was complimentary or damning with faint praise is lost to the mists of time and social niceties. Sally's presence in the village became less of a hot topic as people adjusted. In fact, it wasn't until she stopped coming around at all that the whispering rumours began. All the usual fare, Brian would tell her on his increasingly sparse visits. Worry concealed poorly on his face. Nothing to fret about. They don't think you're a murderer, just a, a witch or, or a hippie or something. 
but you really should make more of an appearance. Does nobody any good to stay cooped up like this, you know? Sally looked at him through a thick and tangled strand of hair. She brushed it aside and smiled at him. Her voice came out hoarse from underuse. Uh, I know, Brian. I know. And thank you for worrying, but I'm still just not sure about the folks down there. I don't know if they'd take me as one of them. She smiled in a strange sort of way. Pained. Brian nodded. I understand. I do. But give them the benefit of chance. Even just one chance. It would be nice to see you more at home here, Sally. I'll get there, Brian. I promise. Sally saw Brian out a little while later. Then she spent some time trying not to think about the dream she'd had the night before. It had featured the strange voice again, and Brian. Or rather, what had remained of him, according to the voice. She had woken in a cold sweat, blood under her nails and copper in her mouth again. She was tired, not physically, never physically. But in her mind she held the constant fear that it wasn't just some woodland animal or some scab knocked off in the night. That one night she would wake early and find herself up to her elbows in a gore of an all-too-familiar origin. That night, when sleep finally claimed her, the dreams came again. She had long gotten used to the barrage of senses, becoming less and less overwhelmed with each nightly visit. She ran through the woodland. She willed herself to slow, to stop. Somehow, she wanted to prevent herself from reaching the end of whatever track she was following. For at the end would be the voice, whispering the terrible things she'd done, and seeping into her mind like it was taking over, claiming her, moving in. The end of the path came to her eventually, as it always did, and the voice began to whisper at the very edge of her heel. Sally braced herself for what she knew was coming. Words poured into her ears like honeyed petrol, casting her thoughts in a terrible, flickering firelight. She thought of her new home, of the last owner, of how reclusive she'd become, of anything and everything to make her insides twist fear. She waited for it to end, as it had all the time before. But now the voice seemed possessed of a new energy. What felt like an age passed under the baleful gaze of the forest, until, panting and baring her teeth, Sally could endure no longer. She screamed. The voice cracked and fizzed as it broke through the static that usually masked it. Its words made themselves known to Sally insidiously. They crept into her mind.
Sally felt the scream finish as the last of the words settled in her head. She felt the blood leak from her ear. She felt herself breathing heavily. She knew now what the voice in the woods wanted. She understood what it offered. Something new. She looked down at herself, as she never had before in her dreams. And she saw claws, tight, muscled arms and legs. Joints sat at unfamiliar angles, and for a moment she could feel the power and the terror and the awe the voice offered her. She smiled, and through jagged teeth, laughed in a way that would have unnerved many who heard. It unnerved the voice in the woods. <laughs> Sally spoke. <laughs> <laughs> You're all alone here. You wind your way around a person's soul and drag them from their beds. You take their rust from them, filling my mind with blood and hunger. Watch me dance to your tune. And then you ask me to change, to be a better class of company. She smiled and looked towards the end of the trail, placing one foot that was not hers in front of the other, approaching what wasn't there in a slow, deliberate manner. You chose poorly when you took me from my bed. You weren't to know. It takes one time to figure these things out. It did for me. I will not change for you. I will not become other than I am. You want me to make a home of these words? To give myself to them and to you? But you do not understand. Oh, voice, you do not understand. I am already at home in these woods. <laughs> <laughs> it took me years, it took me years and years, but slowly, gently, and carefully, I destroyed the house I was told I had to live in, the building I had been given that did not fit me well. I cracked the walls and rented asunder, then achingly slowly. I grew and tore and molded and caressed the embers of that poorly built thing until it was closer to a home. I am at home in these woods, voice, because I have made it so. I am at home. I have made it so. Your offer finds the places they would roost already inhabited. Follow me if you must. Continue to drag me from my rest, from my house, out into the wilds of the place you exist. But you will fail. Sally reached out now, with her own hand. Eyes closed, she felt something in the darkness. She let her hand rest on a cold, wet cheek. You cannot take from me what matters, oh voice. You cannot take from me the home I have made myself.
An epilogue. The woods around the small village near where a woman named Sally had recently moved had always been full of ghosts and monsters, as all good woods should be. This did not change when the woman named Sally moved to the house that sat at the edge of them. However, the locals would have reported, had anybody asked, that after a year or two of the woman named Sally moving in, the sightings and stories of these haunted woods did all begin to turn. Much more likely to hear tell of strange, half-formed cabins or missing shovels and saw blades than the usual terribly photographed beasts and disappeared ramblers. Some would even joke that something out there was working on a project of sorts. Almost like something's building a house, you'd think. Tranthologies is a trans anthology podcast distributed by the Listless Network and produced by Alex Abrahams. Home was written and directed by J.T. Jenkins and edited by Zoe Davis. In this episode, you heard the voices of J.T. Jenkins as the narrator, Moira Juliet Scott as Sally, Bridget Guzowitz as Brian, B. Hill as Thea, and Calumny Winder and Jordan Hendrickson as the voice in the woods. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune in tomorrow for Busking by Lee Grierson. But until then, remember... Home is where the heart is. Sometimes it's under your floorboards. Literally. And drives you to maddening despair. <laughs>